you may not be good enough. You may not get that promotion. You may not get that job you want. You may not. But don't look and say, oh, woe is me. Say, why not me? And if you're willing to get up, if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to know that you are capable and deserving of it, then you'll do it. Hey, and welcome to the Leading with Nice interview series podcast. We want to help you inspire others, build loyalty, and get results. My name is Matthew Yule, and like always, because we only do things that we think are awesome, we only invite guests on who we have checked out and been like, yeah, this is really cool. So today we have Jeremy Herider on, and when I first came across him, and I'm not sure, to be honest, where I saw him, it might have been I belonged to some podcast matching platforms, but uh, I might have gone down a rabbit hole somewhere or seen him online or whatnot. But the bottom of the story was, it was like 2 a.m. And as you, uh, if you listen to this, you know, uh, Cindy Craig and Naomi Grossman are both instrumental in helping book and write questions and get ready for the podcast. It's 2 a.m. And I've sent now like five or six links. I'm like, check this guy out. How do we get him on? Can you please make this happen? Because I was pumped up. I was like, sure, my wife was like annoyed that I was like, you know, getting psyched for my next day of work. And, you know, it's not, surprising because I'm going to tell you a bit about his bio. And if you're listening to this, I know you know high achievers. And how frustrating is it when those high achievers suck at teaching somebody else to do it? Now, I'm not saying they should all be great at teaching others. Not That's not what I'm saying. But it does suck when you're like, oh, you're really good at this. How, how do you do it? Can you make an insight? And they're like, I don't know. I just do it. Like, you just do it. I'm like, ugh, not the case with Jeremy. Everything that came out of Jeremy's mouth or, you know, that I read that was written, I was like, oh, this is how to do it. You're going to hear about optimal self. I'm going to let him explain that. I won't, I won't do it justice, but it's really important. But just to give a bit of background, Jeremy was a two-sport professional athlete. Some of the cool things that I read, and make sure I got this right when we were doing our research, is you have, there's a stat, oh man, I'm going to mess it up. And I took it, put it in my notes, but I've lost it. Jeremy Helmet, there's a stat with the Diamondbacks, I think, that you have the first of something. What was that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So cool story is I was one of the first nine players ever signed to an Arizona Diamondbacks contract. They didn't even have a major league team yet, but they were awarded the parent franchise. So people know baseball. Baseball has, you know, they have lower classes, but you're all within the organization. So your 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 rights and contract are with them. So I was the first contracted player in the history of the organization to get a hit in, in a professional game. Amazing. It was in the California League. Uh, we didn't even have enough players, so we were playing with Detroit, but we were actually Arizona Diamondbacks. And opening night, I hit a double, and they literally stopped. And, and I, the Diamondbacks don't know this, so if they're hearing this now, <laughs> they don't even have the real ball. They gave them another <laughs> ball, and I have the real ball. <laughs> Nice. Amazing. Yeah. It's a pretty cool story, man. It was, uh, I mean, again, and it was an honor to be just, you know, the fact that they wanted me on their team when they didn't even have a team was, was pretty amazing. So if you're listening, I'm thinking, Oh, cool. I, I love hearing athletes talk about their stories. Guess what guys, that is not the best thing and coolest thing about Jeremy. <laughs> We're not actually going to talk about sports and athletics and I'm not going to dive too deep more into his bio. There's a lot, there's a lot I could tell you, but the juice, the information is so good. So before we even get started then, can you just give us a 30,000-foot view of Optimal Self and what you and your organization are trying to achieve, like your why, what you want to do and why you're doing it? 
Hmm. Well, I love that question. And I, and you know what I love most uh, is you opening with that question. Because so many times the first question I always get is like, tell us about your childhood and where'd you come from? But that tells me a lot, man. I appreciate you opening with that. So I'm just going to say it to you this way. Literally the reason I get out of bed every day, the reason why I spin around and get out of bed, my mission is to help and inspire people to change behavior through belief and action so they can be the best version of themselves. Optimal self is built out of decades of me journaling, writing things, learning from, from people around the world. Yes, through some of it through sports, some of it through business, some of it just through fate where you catch people like yourself and I get to have a conversation and I'm taking notes. Even right now, I have my journal sitting in front of me, ready to take notes in, of things that you say and we talk about. And so over years, there were things that were built and I call them principles. But the truth of optimal self is it's, it's not a life in a box. We don't believe we have the answer to any of it. What I do know is every single human walking this earth has a unique blueprint. And because of the way society is built and our families and all these kind of, and they're, they're great things, is that sometimes we lose who that person is. And we do things based on what other people are telling us, right? We grow up believing certain things. And sometimes we get things in our head that we don't even know where they come from. So then we end up living a life that is not truly the best version of us. So what optimal self and what we want to be able to do is just provide an environment to know that it doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter your gender, doesn't matter your race, your whatever. What matters is that hey, let's provide an, an environment where people can truly become the best version of themselves. I believe wholeheartedly environment matters. You've heard so many people say, and Jim Rohn and all these other people say, this, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And there, there's some truth to that because you are influenced by the people around you. So if we can give you a platform to come and be the best version of you, well, that's what we want to do. We want to provide you know, principles and ideas that, that you can take and make your own, not my version. It's not Jeremy's version of the best version of you. It's like, no, nah, man, I'm going to make the best version of me and here are the principles and here are the things that I use. Come on, man, let's make the best version of you. Who is that? What do they stand for? That is very cool. And uh, I do want to learn a little bit more about you, but not, I actually, I don't care where you were born, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I do want to know a bit about your story and more specifically though, not where you were born, but like, I'd be curious when you are giving into other people, like you just described, sometimes it can be exhausting. Hmm. You know, you're giving a lot of your own energy. So what do you do? Like, what are some of your habits or routines to help you be at your optimal self while you're pouring into other people? And I'm, I'm asking you this because there's bosses, there's leaders, there's managers, coworkers that do this as part of who they are and they go home and they're drained and they don't know how to recharge. So what I'm hoping is that they, they hear what you do and say, oh, maybe I'll try a few of those techniques. Yeah. It's a great question because it is true. Recovery is the key. Like you can't, I, I, I truly believe this even in life, you can't overdo it. You can't overtrain. You can't overlive. You only under recover mm -hmm. and recovery is a big deal. And what I will say to you in this case is I water what's important to me most. And that means that the things that matter the most to me are always going to get watered. Mm. So if we water what matters most, then how do we replenish our stream so that we have more water to water things with, right? So 
principle number one is for us is hydration. And the reason is this, you're coming out of a sleep, which is a fast, your body still runs, ladies and gentlemen, like it's running at full speed, even at times, right? You get into some, some slow wave, uh, sleep and some deep sleep and all that kind of stuff. Some, you know, REM and dream and all that, that that's where recovery happens. But when I wait, when I wake up, the first thing is a very short breathing exercise, couple box breaths that allow me to oxygenate my blood, get my eyes rolling <laughs> open. And the first thing I have is between 16 and 24 ounces of water. I use a pinch of Himalayan sea salt, some in the water and some I go right under my tongue. And then I use half a lemon. The reason the Himalayan sea salt is there's 84 trace minerals in Himalayan. It's not, not regular table salt. Table salt is just straight sodium chloride with a bunch of fillers in it. It's actually worse for you than, than anything else. Himalayan sea salt has minerals that allows your body. The way that I like to tell people is imagine if you did the dishes the night before and that sponge that you left out is all dried out, you see how hard it is without putting water on that, it doesn't absorb anything right? So if you tried to use that rigid sponge on the, to clean up, it doesn't work. Well, the same thing happens to our body. If our body is in a state of, of dehydration, you could be eating the most perfect diet. You could be having kale and the, in all this stuff that you see all over. But the truth is, is that if your body is not ready to absorb it, then you're not going to get most of those nutrients. It's just going to wash through. So I breathe and I hydrate and I move every single morning. Now, listen, I want people to understand movement in you moving your body the way that it should move, getting some kind of blood flow, get, you know, raising your heart rate just slightly is fine, is very beneficial for your brain. Again, that's the control center, right? The, the brain is literally over 85% water. Think about it right? If I could give it some water and now when I go move, all those electrons, all those neurons, all those interconnections are going to fire better. It's going to give me energy. Exercise is truly better for the brain than it even is for the body. The reason why we have so many back problems and all this stuff around the world is because we don't use the body the way it was meant to be used. We're sitting in chairs now, we're on our phones, we're at our computers and it's all, it's all necessary. Let's be clear. But man, if we could just get up and move a little bit, but I'm not the rigid, everybody get up at 5 a.m. every day, everybody go to the gym. Like, that's not who I am. I want you to live your life. But I, what I do is one of our slogans is the power of tomorrow starts with the intention of tonight. So if I get up based on what my day looks like and the more intentional you get about and understand your day, the day coming up, the easier it is to prepare. I want you to understand that you can control those things. You have the ultimate control. One of the reasons I imagine you learned some discipline and the ability to stick to stuff. When you were younger now, uh, for our Canadian listeners, this won't mean as much American listeners for sure. You, know, you were a three-letter athlete in high school, MVP of baseball, went to Gonzaga, uh, excelled there. So what I'm curious about is this. When we were growing up, Coaches weren't nice and friendly and soft. Like they weren't. So I'm curious, like what influenced you to have this attitude of like, you know, coming alongside you on your journey, helping you be your best version of yourself, whatever that might be. Cause that, I mean, unless you were coached much differently than I was as a young man, that's not the approach our coaches took. So how, what influenced you 
to both have that background and then where you are today. Mm. Wow. I love it. I love it. So let, let me be really clear with the listeners so that they do get a better context of my life and where I came from. I wasn't the best kid. Like you can see all the accolades. You could see the things that, that I ultimately did in life, but I wasn't that kid. I didn't make the all-star teams. I wasn't the kid who was always picked. I was very small when I was young. I mean, you know, even that like 10, 11, 12, I'm sure those of you guys that have played sports or you're listening to this, you remember that 12 year old kid that was like full grown with a beard, beard. full beard. Like it's not even that he was better than everybody else. He was just bigger and stronger than you. And at that age, that's enough. You know, I went to, I I went to high school with with Jamal McGlure who played in the NBA. Yeah. And I remember in grade nine, this kid was like already six, (laughs) five. If you're six feet, you're the tallest guy in the school. So totally, I get it. No, you were not that kid that you're saying. I was not that kid. I like, let me be very clear. I never made the all-star teams. I'll give you a really good story that, that kind of context it, it is my 13 year old year. This will kind of give you where things started to shape for me. My coach was also my best friend's dad. Like this is a guy that was a mentor, you know, like a dad to me. Mm. And that year our team won the championship. And when your team in, in the States wins a championship in that, at that age, the coach of the championship team gets to run the all-star team and he gets to pick the last two kids. They vote for all the coaches vote for the rest. And then he gets to pick the last two kids. So I'm thinking, man, I'm in, this is my year. We won the championship. He's like a dad to me, man. This is the year that I'm finally going to make the all-star team. Right? Well, fast forward to that day and my name does not get called. They call the names out and it's all done. And here I am. And I'm devastated. You can imagine 13 year old boy dream is to, you know, be a baseball player and all these things and doesn't happen after the, they have a little pizza party and we're standing at this in this, you know, over by where the games are and he's standing there and I saw the moment. So I walked over to him and I tugged on his shirt and he looked at me and he said, yes, son. And I said, why didn't I make it? Why, why didn't you pick me? And he looked me dead in the eye. And listen, I want, I want to be very clear. To this day, I can tell you what he was wearing. I can tell you what I was wearing. I can tell you the sounds that were happening in there. It's still as vivid as yesterday. And he looked me dead in the eye. And he said, because you're not good enough. You weren't good enough. And now listen, I know what it sounds like. And it is devastating. Yes, it, it's soul crushing. Everything hurts. I'm trying to keep it together, standing there looking at him. We stood there for a second. I moseyed off over where the other kids were. And then I got over to the side and I obviously broke down. I ran to the front and asked the lady to call my mom. Can I, can I please use the phone? It's an emergency. I need to call my mom. Mm. And she, she, she agreed and she gives it to me. And I'm on the phone with my mom. I said, mom, please come pick me up. Please come pick me up. And she's like, what is going on? It's a, it's a sleepover. You're with, you know, and she says, she's like, you're not supposed to be coming home. You're supposed to be. I said, please, I'm begging you, mom. I'm begging you. She said, fine. I'm on my way. I handed it back. I didn't even go back in there. I went outside and I, I sat literally right on the curb till she pulled up. And I, the moment she pulled up, I jumped in the car. And when I did water, I mean, I started crying. I was like, <gasps> you know, like sobbing, right? That, that, you know, and she's like, yeah. any mom, any parent is like, what is going on? holy cow, are you okay? What is happening? And so I told her what happened. And she was like, whoa, he said, what? You know, she's ready to, she's pulling into the parking spot. (laughs) You know, here comes mom, right? She is. And I'm like, mom, please do not go in there. Please. I beg you. 
you know, please don't do it. I'm, I'm embarrassed enough. I don't know that she knew what she was doing in this moment. I don't. But she looked at me. She had that moment and she looked me in the face and she said, okay, you don't want me to go in there? And I said, mom, please don't go in there. She said, fine. What are you going to do about it? What do you want to do? And again, I'm not saying my mom, she knew what she, but I'm going to tell you right now, even in this moment, my whole body gets calm again Mm. because she's asking me not, you know, like it's his fault. It's someone, it's what am I going to do? And it gave me that instance to go, yeah, man, what am I going to do? So I asked her, I said, okay, can we go to big five? So those are, I know you're in Canada. So imagine it's the big giant sporting goods store in Southern California, right? It has everything in it. So she's like, what? Like, can we just go, let's just go get some ice cream and talk about Mm -hmm. it. Right. (laughs) Let's go get some ice cream or, you know, let's go do something fun or get a toy. You know, I'm like, can we please just go to big five? She's like, fine, let's go. So we go there. And just like I told you, I can tell you what he was wearing and I was wearing, I can tell you this sign. All the signs were white and there was a yellow sign because it was on sale. I said, can I have that? She looked at me. She's like, what is it? I said, it's a batting tee, mom. She's like, I know what she's thinking. She didn't say this out loud, but you could tell it in her face. Like she was like, wait, $19.99. It's on sale. And that's going to make this kid stop crying. Like (laughs) fine, done, right? Every parent, right? Done deal. And she did. I got home that night, that day, and I opened that box and I built that tee and I went outside that day and started hitting balls off that tee. Mm. And I promised myself, didn't tell anybody, I promised myself I'm going to hit 100 balls off this tee every single day. Mm. Every single day, I'm going to hit balls off this damn tee. Rain or shine, I used tennis balls in the rain because they would soak up the the, the rain better than uh, not wreck my baseballs, you know? And I would go out there and I would hit ball after ball after ball, like where they would be like, hey, enough is enough. I'm like, no, I got 10 more. I got five more, whatever it was. We'd be going places and I'd get up early and I'd and she'd be like, you better get in here and get ready. I'd say 10 more, mom. you know what I mean? Again, I wasn't the best kid. I didn't make the team. I was told you're not good enough. Right to my face, right eyeball to eyeball. Mm. But I knew it wasn't going to be because of lack of effort. I wanted to play and I didn't care who said I wasn't good enough. I think there are plenty of people that, that, that didn't believe I could do it. I just wasn't one of them. Mm. I just said, screw it. I'm going to go do it, right? What I want people to understand is this, though. The next year, I didn't make All-Stars. The next year, I barely made the high school team. The next year, <laughs> I, I got a little bit better and a little bit better. And yes, by the time I was a senior in high school, five years after that, 13-year-old to an 18-year-old, five years of hitting balls out there when no one was looking, I was the MVP of the team. I led the team in hitting. I was the only kid to make the all league team. Now the real good stuff, right? I was an all Valley player, all star. The first time I really made an all star team and it was the all Valley team. That's all the schools. And I was the only kid on that team to get a scholarship. And I say that because if I would have expected a result after just, you know, one day of hitting off the tee, like most people, you know, what we do today is like, Oh, that didn't work. Oh, that didn't work. No, 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 no. It's the consistency to that action over and over and over. It was incrementally better, incrementally better. Then I got a little bit stronger. Then I got a little bit taller. Then my, you know, my height and weight started to catch up with my technique. And I still have that T today. I never, I've never thrown it out. I've kept it. It's, it is beat, but, but it's a symbol for me. And I know what that sounds like. And I know it sounds harsh to a 13 year old boy, but the thing is, is he told me the truth that day in that moment 
he wasn't saying I would never be good enough. What he was saying is that year in that moment, I wasn't good enough. And you know what? He's right. Mm. And I was the one upset and hurt because I believed he should pick me because he liked me because he was like a dad to me, not because I earned it. I didn't say that. And I wasn't even telling myself that I wasn't telling myself, Oh, I've earned it. I've, I put in the work. I've done everything I can. This is it. No, I was saying, Oh, he likes me. We won the championship. I'm on the best team. So pick me, but that's not how life works. At a young age, understanding that was very important because I knew and, and then and I wasn't saying, you know, it crushed me. I didn't want to go to any of their games. I'm not talking that it just happened overnight. It didn't. But I'll tell you this, it, it, it fueled me not in a negative way, like a spite, like I'll show you. I didn't have that. I never did. I was just like, man, I just want to keep playing. I just want to keep going and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. And when I say that, people are like, oh, whatever it takes. Sure, Jeremy. Not everybody has that. Like, yeah, you do. You do because mm. you can get your ass up and go do it. You can. Mm. There's, I was not special. I didn't do anything special. I was not gifted with size and strength and all these speed. And I didn't throw the ball 95 miles an hour. I didn't hit the ball 500 feet. I didn't ever, <laughs> ever. But when you put in the time, energy, and effort, your skill gets a little better. And then it gets a little better. And it gets a little better. And we can take that in any aspect of our lives. And I want everyone to know right now, you may not be good enough. You may not get that promotion. You may not get that job you want. You may not. But don't look and say, oh, woe is me. Say, why not me? And if you're willing to get up, if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to know that you are capable and deserving of it, then you'll do it. And that's where we lose sight because we, we believe we should get things without really truly earning it. Yeah. And I want people to know because they're like, well, you're so confident today. And I say, yeah, because I work on that. <laughs> mm. I, there, there might, you, it might come off as a confidence, but I'm, I'm still just a human, man. <laughs> I still get scared. I still don't know if things are going to work. I still, you know, I don't, but I do know this, that I'm willing to sacrifice good to have great. At Leading With Nice, we often talk with our clients about clarity. Mm. So for you, it might have been when you got to your, you know, your final year, senior year of high school, like if you didn't get a scholarship, maybe it would have been like, you know what? I gave it a good five-year run and like, I'm not going to do this anymore. So we talk about that with clients, like the clarity. So when you do that work and you try something out and you don't get what you're after, at least you have clarity on it now. Yeah. We do a lot of proposals here at Leading With Nice and uh, for every 10 we put out there, we might get a callback for one. Right. And that's not even the guaranteed job. But I've never submitted a proposal and been like, oh, you know, we could have done better. I was like, no, man, that's our best. So if it's not good enough for them, then we're not the we're not their people. And that clarity lets me sleep at night. Yeah. So I want to ask you one further question before we um, wrap up today. And it's just around habit forming. So right now people are getting in Canada. They're getting ready to go back to the office, go back to work after the pandemic, the COVID pandemic. And what I'm hearing a lot is people are looking for like just small wins because they felt they've had a year of losses. Are some habits easier to form than others? Or are there things like, is there low hanging fruit? My personal opinion is that maybe it's probably not the same for everybody, but how could maybe the, I don't know. First of all, the question is one, can you identify low hanging habitual fruit? And if so, how would you encourage somebody to do that to kind of get that momentum going? 
man, I, you said it perfectly. The, yes, the, the answer is the, the answer is yes. And let me put it to you this way: there's a there's a great old samurai. He wrote the book, uh, the Book of Five Rings, called uh, Miyamoto Musashi. And in there, he says, "If you know the way broadly, you will see it in everything." And let me translate that to optim- wh- wh- how we translate that is that excellence in anything increases your potential in everything. So when you talk about low-hanging fruit, when you talk about something that's easy to do, the answer is 100% yes. To be honest with you, that's the only way to do it Mm. because wholesale changes don't happen very often. Unless it's life or death a lot of times and and it's so drastic where people can make those changes that it doesn't happen or it's not sustainable, right? And what we need to do is we need to prove to ourselves because you see- I opened this and I told you my mission is to to help and inspire people to change behavior through belief and action so they can be the best version of themselves. Well, belief is a two-sided coin because in there, belief is if if you sit down with people and you say, okay, like you just said, give it a go. Here's the plan. Here's what we got. Here's what we believe. And here's what we believe you need to do to get there, right? You say, do you believe that you can do that? Oh, that plan is going to work. Yes, that's awesome. I can lose weight, I do whatever it is, right? But see, belief is a two-sided coin. Where most people forget is they see that and they see the plan and they go, yeah, yeah, that plan is awesome and yes, it will work. Here's what they forget. I got to turn that coin over because belief also has the side of, okay, great, you believe in the plan, but do you believe you are worthy of that end result. Do you believe that you are capable of exercising that plan? You see, the plan can be the best plan in the world, (laughs) but if you don't believe you're worthy, capable, and deserving of it, you'll never do it. That's where we lose focus. That's where, that's where we jump on that, that diet plan or that workout plan at the first of the year, the new year's resolution. Woohoo! Let's go, right? Got this thing. And it dies. It doesn't die because the plan isn't good. It doesn't die because, you know, eating that way or training that way, or even with business, that that plan will work. It doesn't die because of that. It dies because we don't believe we are worthy of it. Mm. So what we need to be able to focus on is, yeah, those habits, which I, you know, we want to change behavior through belief and action. Behavior, you can transpose that word with habits, change habits. People, please understand this. You do not break habits. You make new ones. Mm. Those old ones are still there. If Ask a smoker, ask an alcoholic, ask sure. anybody who's done something that they've, that they've done religiously for a long, long time that is almost to, you know, again, an addiction state or that habit. Ask them. They're like, nope, it's still in there. And in an instant, something can trigger it, something can go. So we don't break habits. We have to form new ones. But understand, we have to start small because excellence in anything increases your potential in everything. Because when we talk about, we don't talk about wholesale changes because it doesn't work. I know that. The truth is, and the numbers are skewed today because of co- and all this other stuff. But listen, if we were sitting in an arena right now and you were doing your leading with nice and we had a 
you know, packed arena in Toronto with 10,000 people there, right? Get this. If we gave them one thing to do, everyone in this arena, one thing to do, there's an 87% chance that they'll come back and do it. So 13% of them are still not going to do it, right? Like imagine that. And you're like, hey, this is going to make you a bajillion dollars. Still 13% aren't going to do it. They're not. Mm -hmm. They're going to walk out of there. The motivation is going to be gone. The thought process is going to go. They're going to be gone. Check this out. If we give them two things to do, go, hey, these are the just the two things when you walk out of here. It drops to like 37%. But if I give you three, it's in the single digits. The chances of you getting anything done. Mm-hmm. So again, excellence in anything increases your potential in everything. What if we just do one thing? We call it streaks. Something that means something to you. Well, you can do this with any habit you want. Mm-hmm. But it has to mean something and say, okay, I'm going to do it and I'm going to string it together. And I'm going to put an X and I'm going to put an X and I'm going to put an X. And then I start stringing these days together to where now it becomes, because again, don't listen, don't read the internet and think that, you know, it takes 21 days to form a habit. I've read 66 days. I've read, I read a new thing that said it's a hundred and something days. I'm like, no, you know, you know what it matters? It matters the person and it matters the habit. Yeah. Those are the two things that you guys are taking, not taking into consideration that you're trying to put a time frame on it. It depends on what it is and it depends on the human. That's something we cannot track. Mm. But I promise you this, whatever that little habit is, I would tell you this, the four that I believe are the most, hydration, get up and have that water before you have anything else so that you, that you hydrate your mind, you hydrate your muscles so that they work your body correctly. You, you have some form of breathing. You'll hear words like meditation and things like that. Just spend a few minutes understanding diaphragmatic breathing, really getting that breath in. Do some form of movement. If it's a walk, if it's Pilates, if it's yoga, if it's to the gym for whatever, that's fine too. And you need to set some intentions. Write something down. Know what your day is. I, I, I said it to you earlier in this conversation, but the power of tomorrow starts with the intention of tonight. Mm. Get out your calendar. Look at what's on your schedule for tomorrow. What's the most important thing that's got to get done, right? And it it could be family. Hey, your daughter has a dentist appointment. Well, hey, guess what? I got to plan my day around that. So I make sure that happens. But if you can start to set the intention of the day, if you can start to get things ready, know what you're going to wear tomorrow. Know where the toothpaste is. Know where, you know what I mean? Like those are little tiny things that we have true de- decision fatigue in our lives today. Our lives can be busy, especially you parents, man. Like it's crazy. There's just little things about intention that we can do. And again, you're right. It's the low hanging fruit. That's why everything at Optimal Self, everything we do is exactly that. I love when people go, well, Jeremy, you know, my knee from my old, you know, lacrosse days. And it's really acts up. And I say, okay, great. Do do you use the restroom? Yes. Do you get on and off the toilet? Yeah. Every person goes, yeah, like, of course I go, okay, good. Guess what? Get your phone out, put a timer on there. Mm -hmm. You're going to give me one minute. You're going to shut the lid on the toilet and you're just going to get on and off the toilet for the next minute up and down best you can. It's no excuses. Yeah. Those are when you talk about little things, I mean, we have ladies, lady now that's, she's at day 61 of Pilates and she was doing nothing before. You know what I mean? Amazing. It's the little things, man. The little things will lead to the next thing. Yep. You know, I, uh, I only make 
New Year's resolutions that I know I can do. <laughs> and my favorite one is actually when I was like 40. So, but three years ago, I had probably about, at, up until that point, I had probably a 40 year streak of never making my bed. Mm. If there was an award for it, I had it. And I said, you know, this year I'm going to, I'm going to make my bed every day. Oh, and right. you know what I'm doing today every day? Making my bed. And like, you know, it's funny how often my wife and I will say, we'll come down to bed and be like, you know what? It's just so nice to come back to like a nice looking made bed. So start with one thing, try things. And if you're not good enough, you're not being told you can't be good enough. Those are the takeaways from this podcast. Before we go, where can people find out more about you? Where can they go to learn more about you? Read, hear, see more, learn, hire, et cetera. Well, I mean, I've, we're everywhere, but optimalself.today is our website. Uh, we do have a free identity creator course there that I'd love to get out to the people of Canada, Toronto. So I'm, I'm super stoked to see if we can get anybody from that area code. Uh, and then YouTube, uh, we every day, five days a week, we have fresh new content that, that comes out on the YouTube channel. That's just Optimal Self. So uh, we'd love for people to jump over there and subscribe. We're, we're trying to grow that channel and, and try to just get as much great uh, information, content, and we love to hear from them. So, you know, comment and let us know if there's anything that we can do. We're always open to helping. Cool beans. Well, listen, I want to, there's a few people that I got to thank because you and I had a great conversation that didn't just happen. A lot of people. Uh, so I mentioned them earlier. Cindy Craig does all our booking. She made sure we connected. She found a great time for you. She helped with the, get the bio ready for me. Uh, Naomi Grossman helps with the question preparation and me get ready for this. Uh, she's so uh, kind. She always says to me before our podcast, you know, well, I know you don't need it, but good luck. So thank you, <laughs> Naomi. Uh, Jamie Hunter, he's our content manager. If you heard about this podcast, saw it online, you've got him to thank for it. Sam Forrest did all the great graphics. Jeff Anhorn edits the video, puts it out there. Carrie Cotton is my account manager. And, it's, and it did, there's only been one episode ever. We've done, I think, about 30 or 40 now where I haven't gotten like notifications of her doing work. Uh, today, I saw my notifications. Carrie, thank you for keeping the business running while I'm here yammering on. And Austin Pomeroy is our audio editor who makes all of this sound great. He makes the volumes come in and out. And Is that even right, Austin? Did I just say enough? The volumes. Austin does the volumes. That's what you know, put that on your LinkedIn. Anyhow, Jeremy, thank you so much. You're the last. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time. Right back at you. And I want to say a big thank you to your whole staff too. They've been fantastic to work with and getting us together, man. I'm super grateful. Thank you guys. I will talk to you again. Cheers. Cheers.